Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. Today we're joined by the versatile Chad Pinder, who talks about his strong start to the season, how he stays prepared at so many different positions, and what it's been like playing alongside Matt Chapman all these years. Then Chronicle columnist Ann Killian makes her A's Plus debut to talk about why she thinks the A's should be packing the Coliseum these days. We also chat about Chris Davis, John Fisher, and a potential A's new stadium. All next on A's Plus. Today on the A's Plus podcast, we are joined by A's utility player, Chad Pinder, who's been on a nice little roll here. Chad, you and I talked the other day about the fact that you guys have seen a lot of left-handed pitching here early in the season. How much has that kind of helped you get locked in early? It's been awesome. I mean, anytime you get consistent at bats, um, that helps get you in the flow of the season, especially early on. It's kind of tough if you start the season off playing, you know, every fourth day. So it's been really nice to be able to get in there and even get in some games against righties. It's been good. How do you prepare every day when you play all over the diamond? How, how many gloves do you own at this point? I have a lot of gloves. I only have three that I use like during the games, uh, but I probably have eight or nine gloves. And I just get my work in wherever I'm playing that day, or if, I, if I'm off that day, I usually know if I'm playing you know, the next couple days in the infield or the outfield, and I'll get my work out at those positions. So it's pretty nice when uh, they communicate with me on where I'm going to be. At this point, do you have a favorite spot on the field? Uh, no, I really don't. Um, anytime I get back to right field, it's really cool. It's obviously very sporadic. We have an unbelievable right fielder. But, you know, that was the first outfield position I played. Um, so it's kind of cool to get back out there last night. Um, but I like playing left field. I like playing second base. And anytime I can give Marcus and, and uh, Chappie a breather in, in, on the corner on the left side of the infield, it's, it's, it's fun to get back out there, too. Bob Melvin's been telling us probably for more than a year, he feels like if you played at one spot every day, you know, you'd be a guy with really great numbers. You'd be a really good everyday big leaguer. But at this point, it seems like you are almost basically an everyday player. Does it feel like that to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've gotten into every single game except one this year. Um, I've got a ton of a bat so far. So, I mean, it feels like I've, I've got the normal workload of an everyday player. And I actually really enjoy doing it at a bunch of different positions. Um, you know, it keeps me on my toes. It doesn't get monotonous. I, I'm able to, you know, stay athletic and do my outfield stuff and infield stuff. I, I actually, I really enjoy doing that at different spots each day. Now, you've also been staying in games. Um, you're not just facing left-handers. Sometimes when the, the lefty comes out, you're staying in. You're facing right-handers. You obviously started against a, a right-hander in James Straley yesterday. How comfortable are you against right-handed pitching at this point? I am. I'm very comfortable against right-handed pitching. Um, you know, obviously I've done it my whole life. It's a little different when you get to the big league level because, you know, there's some, some serious power arms. But um, the more at-bats you get against them, the more uh, you know, the more comfortable you get. And when you start to string together competitive at-bats against those guys, not only does it give yourself confidence, but I think it gives everyone else confidence to just kind of keep you out there and let you stay in the flow of the game instead of throwing in a pinch hitter. Now, we're here in Baltimore the, for the final game of the, the four-game series as we're talking, um, and you're from nearby in Virginia. You've got some family here. I know you've got some sort of basically some Orioles connections a little bit through your data. Explain that to us. Uh, well, yeah, I got some family coming up from Richmond and uh, the Virginia Beach area. Um, 
But uh, my dad played in the minor league system with the Orioles, and uh, his his minor league trainer is now the head trainer with the Orioles. So that's the connection there. I can remember coming to games here, growing up, and and uh, getting tickets left by Evil. And uh, it's pretty cool to come back here. Um, even it's it's weird because you know even like the smell of the ballpark, I can remember it as a kid coming here. It's it's really nostalgic. It's really cool. I enjoy I enjoy coming back to Baltimore. Who was your favorite player when you were a kid? You know, I really liked uh, Chipper Jones and I really like Cal Ripken. Those are two guys that stand out to me. Um, you know, corner infield guys and and guys that were kind of in our area. There wasn't a you know major league team in, in Virginia, so you're either a Baltimore fan or you were a Braves fan growing up. So those are my two guys. You've had a few people in the stands here at each of these games. They've been super loud. You told me there weren't that many of them here, um, but they're still very loud. Can you hear them? I, I did hear them last <laughs> night. I did hear them last night. Uh, I, I had about 10 to 12 people here last night, so uh, it's nice to uh, get some get some of the family up here. They're very enthusiastic. Also, must be kind of fun that you're having some nice, yeah, bit, no nice big games here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't be as loud if I was struggling. <laughs> um, well, at the plate, how would you say you're feeling right now? I mean, is this is this kind of this role for you? Does it feel different? Are you doing anything different? You know, I, I, we talked a little bit in spring about some of the adjustments I've made during the off season, and um, I think it's really helped simplify my uh, my approach and, and my mechanics in general too, um, which I think is kind of translated out into to my at bats, which has been nice, especially like we were talking earlier about getting consistent at bats. Um, you know, when you're working on stuff, it's always easier to find a groove on those things when you're getting consistent at bats. So that's been nice. So you, you basically kind of moved your hands down just a little yeah. bit lower to down basically and down and back to kind of get your, your bat started from a more simple position, basically. Exactly. Is that right? Exactly. I'm, I'm starting in the position I always tried to get to from where, where I used to have my hands. It was just I eliminated a bunch of movement, yeah. essentially. That makes sense. Yeah. That's, a, that's a, a very good move so far, it looks like. Um, you've played with Matt Chapman for a long time. He's off to a red-hot start. What's it been like for you kind of seeing what he's doing? Um, and just what is, has it been like seeing him through all these years as he's developed? Yeah, I mean, you and I both know the special talent he is, uh, the leader he is in the clubhouse, on the field especially, you know, uh, even more so on the field, the way he goes about his business, playing hard. Um, the amount of work he puts in, it translates to the field. Um, he's a great baseball player, and, and the success is something that you know doesn't surprise me or you. I'm, I'm sure. So um, I foresee you know continued success for him as well. So yeah. in my mind, he's a potential future MVP. 100%. I, I totally agree with you on that. Both sides of the ball. You know, you don't see many guys that can at an elite level, you know, do it on both sides, and he does it both sides. Now you talk about leadership. Um, I know the A's coaching staff and the development people have always talked about you as kind of one of the young leaders in the team. I, you, they always call you the glue guy. What does that mean to you? Well, that's an honor for them to say that. You know, I think it's more so just how I go about my business and stuff. You know, I'm not, sort of, you know, the, the vocal guy in the clubhouse by any means. Uh, you know, that's not my role, but uh, you know, just playing my part on the team as the utility guy and, and always trying to have a good attitude out here no matter what the situation is and uh, something I pride myself on and I enjoy doing and um, yeah, I think that's an honor for them to say that.
you guys have had a little bit of an unusual schedule. Obviously, you opened this short spring, opened this season in Japan, very nice homestand, which includes taking three or four from Boston, uh, and then you go on the road, and it's the middle of this 18 games in a row, which seems crazy to me that a team that's been asked to travel internationally then opens the season after a short spring with 18 in a row. But, um, you know, a little bit of a blip in Houston in the first game here. Now it seems like you guys are a little bit more back on track. How, how are you seeing things at this point in, in the early season? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit that head on, um, you know, a little tough, you know, scheduling start, but, you know, that's the cards you're dealt, and there's no excuse for how we played in Houston in the first game here. You know, we kind of got our butts beat, you know, so there's no other way around it. You got to play good baseball. We played great baseball at home, so there's no excuse there, you know, when you go on the road and have some struggles. But, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, you're, you are, you're still trying to find identity in, in the team, and you're trying to figure out what's going, like, trying to get in the flow of the season. We're, you know, two weeks in and, um, you know, with where we're at right now, we're in a good spot. Like you said, we got some momentum the past couple of nights and hopefully we can continue that through the road trip and then get home, have a nice off day. And then and then I think we have a really nice stretch of games where we have some off days sprinkled in there and hopefully, you know, get, get rejuvenated a little bit. Sounds like a good plan. Thanks for joining us on A's Plus, Chad Pinder. Of course, thanks for having me, Susan. Our thanks again to A's utility player Chad Pinder for joining us on A's Plus. We will be back in just a moment with Chronicle columnist Ann Killian. Welcome back to A's Plus. Our second guest today is the great San Francisco Chronicle columnist Ann Killian. I'm proud to call her a colleague. And we were co-California Sports Writers of the Year for last year. Ann, I, I, I'm saying that there was probably a voting error, and it was really probably mine. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Clearly there was a mistake. You already won it twice before. It seems unfair. I think Dan Brown might have filled out his ballot wrong. Yeah, I don't know which of us he voted for. It might might be his fault. Um <laughs> So it's it's great to have you on A's Plus. Um, you know, the, the Chronicle columnists are all very good about coming out and, and writing about the A's now and then, but I, I think you, you tend to be the most regular columnist that, uh, from the paper that's out at the Coliseum. And I know you've been um, pretty vocal lately on Twitter uh, about the fact that fans in the Bay Area might be missing a really good show at the Coliseum this year. You know, I think fans get sick of hearing about attendance issues. Uh, that first week was a little bit light, especially opening day. We, we can go through the reasons for that. It was a day game and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, still, you're 100% right. This is a very entertaining team. And so far, they're not really seeing um, the results in the seats. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll wait and see. Um, you know, just like with the results on the field, I think I don't think it's fair to judge the results in the seats early on. Especially we've had such weird weather. Everyone's uh, school break seems to be at a different time. Um, but there are plenty of tickets available to watch baseball in the Bay Area this season. Clearly, the Giants have their own attendance issues, and so I think it's going to be, you know. For, for the consumer, what do you want to see? Do you want to see exciting young players who are playing really well? Um, the choice is pretty clear. If that, if that's, if you really actually want to see fun baseball, the A's are clearly the place you'd go to spend your money. And you, as you, there's continue to be such a good bargain in terms of the ticket price. Now people can argue about <clears throat> if maybe, you know, the stadium, maybe it, that's not a draw. Um, but we're seeing on the other side of the bay that stadium, you know, a, a 
a marquee stadium doesn't fix issues if the team isn't good. So I think when when it comes down to it, uh, the people who want to watch baseball, spend their money to watch actual baseball, I think will probably gravitate toward the A's because they, um, they have guys now that have been around for a year or two that we, we know a little bit. We know how good they can be, how fun they are. As, as always, they have, you know, a fun vibe. Um, they have such great, you know, stealth stories. I mean, I can't believe Chris Davis is still a stealth story, but he kind of is. And, um, yeah, I, I just think they're, they're a fun team to watch. And, you know, Melvin's a great manager to, uh, you know, for us in the media to talk to. And it's, it's just, it, it's a good, it's a good vibe. It feels like they have momentum. Yeah, that's. I mean, you're right. I think there's an audience there potentially for the taking. Um, certainly, at least maybe the casual fan, uh, if you're looking for, you know, team. It's a team coming off a 97 win season, which right, right alone there. That's a contrast with the Giants. Uh, and uh, you mentioned the bargains. You know, the the A's access pass. Um, which I've written about extensively, the, the A's are thinking about all these creative ways to get butts in the seats. And you got to think at some point it starts to pay off. But the fact that you could buy as little as a 10-game plan with the A's and wind up with uh, basically entry into all 79 of the, the games at the Coliseum this year is really extraordinary. A, yeah. um, so they're, they're thinking outside <laughs> the box. Yeah, and and I I think um, and I wrote about this a little bit when I, I was writing about um, the Giants going through a transitional year. You know, transitional years, which the A's are fans are experts at, right? Almost every year has been a transitional year, but but transitional years can be fun and can be a time to really for for young kids to gravitate towards the team because there are tickets available. And I think you know I I'm on a campaign that. I want Major League Baseball to make games completely free for 10 and under because that's, you know, there's all this talk about speeding up the game and, and you know, pitch counts and, and mountain visits. And how about just getting little kids into the ballpark? Cause they don't care if you find the latest free agent. They don't care about what the payroll expenditure is. They don't care about any of that stuff. They just want to watch the game, and you need to get those kids in and get them fired up. And, and you know, if you're a little kid, you think the costume is pretty cool. You think the treehouse area is pretty cool. You think, you know, all that stuff is great. So it's not, you know, little kids don't have the same standards that us snobby adults do when it comes to, you know, how we want to spend our money. And I just think it's an opportunity for people to turn their kids on to baseball. And I, I got to say, if I was, you know, a 10 or 11-year-old kid, I'd want to watch Matt Chapman play. I'd want to watch Chris Davis hit home runs. I mean, those, to me, would be the, the, the players that I would be excited about seeing. And I know we always have a problem with the A's. Are they going to be around? Can you buy a jersey for your kid and think that jersey's going to still be worth something next year? But I don't know. I just feel like, like right now both teams are in such transition, and the A's are the team that I think there's really something to be excited about. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the A's, talking again about thinking outside the box, yeah, okay, they, they've got not a lot to work with at the Coliseum, but they've really done a pretty good job of adding different areas um, in, in, in what's a pretty unforgiving ballpark. You know, they, they've got the treehouse area. They added a new family section that has a, a more expanded play area for little kids. They've mm-hmm. got that uh, championship plaza that has games and stuff along with food trucks. Uh, and for, you know, the adult people, there are all sorts of near, more, you know, bars and bar areas and kind of fun 
um, places like that 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 uh, you and I would probably love to hang out on a night off. So um, they're they're doing. <laughs> Wait, when do we get a night off? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And would we go to a baseball game? Probably not. But <laughs> um, <laughs> theoretically, uh, it, I mean, it really they they they're doing a lot to make the Coliseum more attractive to the casual fan, who I think is is the one yeah. maybe they they could pick off right now. Well, I, t- I, I took a casual fan last summer to an A's game, my daughter, and she had such a good time, and she was so funny. She was sick to me. My daughter is, is uh, 24, so she was of drinking age, um, and she texted me and said, Mom, you can get a beer here for $10. <laughs> that was a kid who spent too much time at AT&T, yes, exactly. where you can't get a beer for $10. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and you, you know, the idea about taking about kids free, the A's actually did that for a lot of the summer last year. There were so at least a month or two, uh, I wish I knew the specifics, where we, games during the week, not the weekends, but during the week, you could bring, for every adult ticket, you could bring in two kids free. So, um, that's so great. Yeah. That I mean, I, that's exactly what Tim should be doing. Exactly. Yeah. And just something as simple as that, I think that that could go a long way with help, helping create a fan base. And yeah, sure, Matt Chapman might be gone in five years. Uh, but you know what? I think people should enjoy him while he's here. He's potentially going to be one of the great players in, in Bay Area history. And he's a possible MVP, as, as Chad Pinder and I mentioned uh, on the, the first interview on this podcast it's uh it's really a treat now chris davis has just been going off and and you mentioned he's he's really a kind of an under the radar player in the majors right now but uh it's extraordinary he's he led the league in homers last year he's leading the league in home runs this year he's he's hit over 40 every year with oakland uh why do you think that it it is besides the fact he's playing in oakland oakland's had some big name players before and they have never ever gone sort of out of the limelight as much as Chris Davis. Why do you think it is? Yeah. Um, I, I Don't you think part of it is his personality? A little bit. I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty low-key. Um, he, he, you know, I think you had the quote about his, you know, when he hit 199 and 200, he was like, eh, it's just a number. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's not kind of the big brash slugger that we're used to. Um, and he is in Oakland. And there's also, you know, the, the constant, like, why aren't the A's re-signing him? Why aren't they giving him the, the bigger contract? So there's always kind of that weird question, like, what, what, what's going on here? Um, so, I mean, I think there's just, a couple, you know, some different factors. But it's, it's kind of ridiculous because the fact that he is so low-key and he doesn't have the physical body that you, like, think of when you think of someone who hits all these home runs. I mean, he doesn't look like Pujols or... Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds did in the, you know, his heyday. I mean, he's he's not that big a guy, and and he's just he is seems super low key. I mean, you know him way better than I would, but but um, yeah, I think that that all is part of it. But in in another way, the fact that he is under the radar just continues to make him like the coolest dude in the world, right? Yes. yes. The fact that it's just he's hitting all these home runs, and people are like, who? Oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, it, it kind of cracks me up. Uh, a friend of mine was reading a box score, and he was saying, this is before the A's were in Baltimore, and he said something about, like, you know, Chris Davis is oh for, like, so much. Like, he's, and I'm like, Chris Davis? No, he's not. He's like, no, 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 the other Chris Davis. 
So it's uh, a little confusing. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit. Um, it's been very, uh, this last few days in Baltimore, like the dichotomy between the two of them has just been, you know, one of them's over 53 and the other one cannot stop hitting home runs. So that's pretty. But still the Chris Davis with a CH, the Baltimore Chris Davis is far better known than the A's Chris Davis, which is really maddening. And it's, yeah, it's some personality. Maybe it's the K. Maybe it's the K. It's the K. I don't know. Yeah, it's throwing people off. He, uh, he is very, he is low-key. He mostly, you know, he just doesn't like to talk about himself. He is not boastful. He is not Reggie Jackson. He is not Jason Giambi. He is, uh, um, he loves talking about his teammates. He is a great teammate. Um, and he's kind of sweet and funny and goofy in a really fun way. He is... Uh, it's not like he doesn't want to talk. He's very, he's actually very helpful when you when you get him. He wants to help. He just doesn't really mm-hmm. want to talk about himself, which I, I kind of like. It's refreshing in a big time athlete. The the guy hits forty plus home runs every year, and you just you're right. You'd never guess it from his size, and you would never guess it uh, from the way he handles himself. He's just very unassuming. His dad told me a couple years ago. You know, basically, if he was not a professional athlete, people would basically just kind of think he's a he's kind of a dorky, nerdy kind of guy because he's just got this kind of sweet, goofy personality. But he is not, you know, it, he's not going to ever really let that side out in public, I don't think. I think that's just kind of, you know, something that uh, he's going to keep a little guarded. And there's nothing wrong with that. But he is not going to be one of the faces of Major, Major League Baseball. And he could be if he wanted to. You know, he's declined opportunities to take part in the home run derby he has actually said like you know two weeks out like i don't have any interest i hope they don't ask me um those kind of things are and why do you think that is i you know i think there's a a couple reasons i think a he just doesn't care about it um which is fair enough uh and b you know there are a lot of guys worry that they uh, hurt their swings. It's a lot of swings right, to take. And, um, you know, yeah. some guys, yeah, you see studies about does it actually hurt guys or not. It, I don't know if there's anything conclusive. Some guys it certainly has not appeared to help. Who, who knows what the actual correlation is. But uh, I can see somebody with a team that feels like it's going to be in contention saying like, yeah, it's not maybe not worth the risk as far as I'm concerned. So, um you know, I, I wouldn't. I would love to see him take part in one of those. It was so fun when Cespedes won a couple of those, and and uh, you know, really made a name for himself. It certainly did not hurt him in any way to do so. But uh, right. you know, Chris is a different animal. That's that's for sure. Yeah, that's not part of his equation. Is making a name for himself. It's that Cal State Fullerton uh, humbleness, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, Chapman's Cal State Fullerton. He's a little. He's a little on the more brash. He's side. a little cocky. Yeah, he is. <laughs> He is. He's turning into a real team leader, which I think we saw. We actually even really saw, you know, the year before when he was up late, um, that he he might have some leadership qualities. But he's, you know, we know about the defense. He's he's hitting too. He seems like he almost never has a bat at bat now. Uh, you know, the third game of the series, three hits, a home run, a walk. Um, he's just constantly a threat. And uh, I don't know if there's a better young player. Uh, he wins the platinum glove as the best defender in the American League last year. It's just the, yeah. these are things I think people in the Bay Area kind of need to to start being aware of. Yeah, no, I mean superstar in the making, um, but again, you know, stealth because he's with the A's and and I don't know. I mean, I guess you know, I mean, you are the best beat writer in baseball, um, so you can't complain about the uh, the coverage. Um, at least not in the Chronicle. But I also think, you know, like I have heard some complaints from, from um, 
Ace fans, and you probably have too, about, you know, the, the radio situation. Yeah. They, they can't get it. They live in Napa or Sonoma. They're not picking it up. Um, you know, there's, there's just a, the A's continue to fly under the radar for a lot of different reasons and right and add radio into into one of those reasons this season as well. Yeah, you know, they're a little limited. Obviously, I think they probably feel like they got the best deal that they could um, with, you know, one Bay Area station and, uh, you know, KHDK in Sacramento actually fills up a lot, but you're not going to get, you know, it's with the exception of a handful of stations in the Bay Area, nobody covers the entire Bay Area. It's just a too vast an area and um, the you know, right. the weather and uh, the night game nights and all of that kind of stuff. It does make it tough. But uh, the A's aren't going to be a ratings giant enough to get a KGO or a KNBR or KCBS or somebody like that interested in them. So um, the interesting right. thing is they now have this tune-in app, and um, people can mm-hmm. listen to all the games streaming. But out of market, which you know the market doesn't extend that that far, uh, out of market you can't get all of that stuff. And I think Major League Baseball in general, this is not the A's' fault. The A's would love it if everybody on the planet could get their tune-in app. I think they would absolutely love it. But Major League Baseball has some very antiquated ideas about in-market and out-of-market territorial rights and restrictions and uh, it's very frustrating you know people in Hawaii can't get you know Giants games or A's games and you know it's because of market things people in Reno it's you know the markets are completely divided up you know very strangely uh, and I've never understood it just completely open the whole thing up and you'll get more fans yeah yeah and for a, a sport that is trying to you know get more fans and is doing, in my mind, some silly things to do that. Uh, and she's very concerned about a certain demographic and, you know, like I said before, like speeding up the game and all these all these different things that are against, you know, kind of go against what baseball's all about. Why not just do what you're saying, like open up the game, make it easier for people to get to it, get little kids into the ballparks. I mean, just there's some basic things that will create a whole generation of baseball fans and, and um, you know, yeah. Yeah. Let people make it, use of your video online. Yeah. Like, you know, just really, you know, don't, no territorial restrictions on broadcast. Just, you know, it's ultimately, I know they want to protect the regional sports networks that pay a ton, obviously, for the rights. But if people are watching those games wherever they're watching them, they're seeing your what your sponsors are putting out. That's great, right? You would think that that's a good thing. Right. Okay. Maybe they're not paying the cable fee. Because you know they're out of the market, but they're they weren't going to be anyway. So I, I don't. I well, don't. you know what, Susan? In your next conversation with John Fisher, why don't you raise these points with him? <laughs> well, interesting. That was <laughs> John Fisher was on my list list of next topics. Um, you and I have been a little frustrated over the years. I know we've both put in numerous uh, interview requests for Mr. Fisher. He's been the been the owner for you know more than a decade now, but about a decade, uh, and. The, the and if he something. walked in my house right now, I, I would say, "Who are you?" <laughs> That's right. I have talked to him very, uh, a few times. He is a very—he's a very nice, very friendly man. Um, he's just not interested in doing media. I think he is—he is very obviously very media shy. Um, yeah, and he has had some faces, sort of faces of of the front office or uh, the you know the business side of the front office. First in Lou Wolf, and, and now of course in, sure. in Dave Cavill. And I think he feels comfortable with that arrangement. But at a certain point, um, maybe not necessarily in a, in, in a couple of years where the teams have been good, 
in some of the down years, it would have been nice maybe to hear from the owner um, when fans are particularly well, frustrated about the inability to retain some of these great players. It might be nice to hear from the principal to retain, owner. Right, inability to actually get actual real movement on a, on a ballpark. Um, I mean, the owner is ultimate, the, the ultimate, you know, the buck stops there. It's, they have the ultimate authority, and to be invisible is just, um, it's just, it's a bad look, uh, especially with a team that, you know, has struggled, um, has, you know, at times said they're going to move, now they're not going to move, um, has had attendance problems, has had a lot of questions from the fan base that, you know, I know Dave Cowell is trying to answer them, but, but he's not the owner, he's not the ultimate authority, and, and um, you know, the, one, the, the people who who stand up and say, uh, good or bad, this is what I'm doing or this is why I'm doing it, you know, i, I got to give them respect. Joe Lacob sometimes drives me insane, but he'll, he'll stand up and, you know, take the credit um, and most of it's credit. And, you know, sometimes he's taken some blame. And, and um, you know, even Jed York and Mark Davis have stood up and, and talked. And with the, with the Giants, they're in a, an, an, a weird situation where nobody really is sure who the face of the ownership is, but they're trying to figure that out, and they know that they need one. And that's the thing. Like, we know who the owner of the A's is. He just won't be accountable to the public, and that kind of makes me crazy. It's it's the thing I like the least about the A's. I like I like so many other things about them, and, and the John Fisher's lack of accountability to the fan base and to the media and to the public is uh, right at the bottom of the things I don't like about the A's. Yeah, it's frustrating. I, I do think that there is a, a responsibility at some point. It doesn't have to be often. You don't have to have a weekly press conference. You don't need to be like Cavill and have weekly office hours. But, you know, every once in a right. while, no. show up and, and, you know, show your face and, and talk to Let people know. Um, you know, the one thing, Lou Wolf took a lot of heat from fans. And you and I spent a lot mm-hmm. of time talking to Lou. And I, I think that the average A's fan who was down on Lou Wolf never talked to Lou about the A's or baseball because he was genuinely an A's, a, a massive supporter of the A's. He loved coming to games. He absolutely was into the team. He's good friends with Bob Melvin. He was really invested personally. I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. knows if John Fisher feels that way. Is he invested in the team personally? You know, does he love them the way you could tell Lou Wolf really did? Uh, I, I don't I don't really know, and I have talked to him a few times, but uh, not to the level where I get a sense of. I know his mom is a big A's fan. Um, that probably helps, yeah. but I don't know if he is. So um, that's, a, that's a little bit of a, of a strange situation. So I'll continue to, to put in my... You know, every, I request every couple of weeks and drive the ACI You do that because when I put in my request, when I put in my request, they say, "Well, we we have Susan in the queue ahead of you." Yeah, it's like okay. I would. Well, I would murder you. I would if you got if you got him first. Uh, you would do it just so you could be cowboy and sports writer of the year exactly. without the co. Exactly. First, this debacle with you somehow sneaking in and you know with some sort of voter fraud, and and then if you got John Fisher, that would be it. Our friendship would be over. That would be it. Uh-oh. All right. I'll back off. <laughs> um, do you have any sort of thought? We, we've talked through the stadium stuff. Like every every columnist is written about the stadium. Um, our colleague Scott Osler writes about it constantly. We've, you know, the Materia and Ross have uh, been detailing it tons. I've, you know, every now and then weigh in on stadium stuff. 
Do you have any sort of strong feelings? Yeah. What what what's either going yeah, on yeah, or I, what should? I do, have, I, I do have strong feelings. Um, I just I really firmly believe they need to build where they are. Um, you know that is a huge piece of Bay Area real estate. People who say it's not in a nice location or there's nothing around it apparently don't pay attention to what happens in real estate in the Bay Area, which is that um, locations can change quickly in terms of the environment. Um, infrastructure can be built, as we've seen around AT&T Park. you got a BART station right there. you got easy freeway access. Uh, you can take the, you know, you can point it toward the Oakland Hills. Uh, you can do whatever you need to do, and, and, and you finally have that historic and traditional location all, all to yourself. And I just, the fact that they... Um, they're making it way more complicated than needs be uh, still continues to baffle me. And I know that the Howard Terminal site has attractive things to it, but the fact that the ballpark can't even face the water um, because it would be looking west is, is such a big like thing to me because I think the whole point of have it, trying to have it down there is aesthetic, and you're not even going to have the really the aesthetics, um, not in the way you do at other waterfront ballparks. So... I do feel pretty strongly about it, and I think about it all the time now that, or you know, the Warriors are leaving Oracle, and that you know that that big chunk of property that I've been going to either as a fan or a customer or um, a media member my entire life is there is for the taking. Do something with it. Yeah, I, somebody would rush in there and develop that lot and do very well. Uh, and you know, it's big enough the A's can put in the things that they feel like are lacking, um, some retail, oh, yeah. some residential, a lot of restaurants, things like that. Uh, uh, they they point to Howard Terminal and say, you know, the people that think that this is a bad place to build are, are lacking in vision. But I think that there's some lack of vision when people say that you can't do anything at the Coliseum site. I think a beautiful new ballpark and a few other, you know, you know some shopping and some retail, I think it could uh, really change the complexion there too. To me, I don't care where they build. I just don't want them to leave the, the area. I mean, for pretty obvious selfish reasons, I like having a job. <laughs> but you know, okay. we, do we want to see every team in Oakland leave? We do not. I think that would just be no. that would be uh, no, that would kind of, of be sad. Not. Yeah. So where, wherever no. it takes, I if mean, they can get it done at Howard Terminal, fantastic. It just seems like there are a lot of obstacles, uh, and we have yet to hear oh, how yeah. they would and, and purchase the, the land. The yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of obstacles, and so that drags it out. And you know, here we are. Um, <laughs> we're we're getting very well into the 21st century, and we've been talking about this since the 20th century, and still no, still no real solid plan. It all feels like pipe dreams, and you know, fairy tales with gondolas. I mean, it just I I just want some movement, some action on it, and and. If something doesn't happen this year, then we probably won't see a ballpark until, like, realistically, 2024 or 2025. I mean, you know, I, I think you and I would both like to see it while we're still working. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, it is. It's frustrating. And, and that, again, goes back to the, the John Fisher piece is, is you know, he's he's got to be the – to get anything done, especially in California, you, you need a dynamic – owner and leader and and he's not doing it i mean nobody even knows i just can't imagine like how the authorities who would have to deal with the you know 
all the things a ballpark entails, how they will react because nobody knows what he's all about. I mean, Lake took charge at Chase Center. Um, Jed York, you know, whatever you think of him, he that was his baby getting Levi's built. Uh, Peter McGowan got AT&T built. You know, is Fisher going to get a ballpark built? I mean, we don't even know who he is. So it just, it, it's, and uh, yes, he has a good point person, but Dave Cavill is not the one who's going to get it built. It's Fisher. So that, to me, those two issues that we just talked about just go completely hand in hand. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, again, I don't care where it goes. Any, anywhere is fine with me. Just any, honestly, anywhere in the East Bay, anywhere in the A's territory. Heck, if the Giants... Um, really hit the skids for a few years, you know, maybe the A's can go back and offer them $100 million again for San Jose. Maybe this time they might take it. Uh, I think that would be, uh, you know, as long as they stay in the barrier, it, it would be great. But uh, from a practical standpoint, it seems like the Coliseum would be so doable and so quickly. And at this point, just why not? If you think the a new stadium is really what it's going to take to bring in fans, uh, and to give you the income that you need to start retaining some players, do that. Just just go ahead and do it. But uh, I'm sure we will talk about this down the road uh, some more, Anne. Um, I hope you will join us again on A's Plus. It's been delightful having you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Susan. You can find Anne Killian's columns on sfchronicle.com, and she's on Twitter, at Anne Killian. In addition, her books... Champions of Men's Soccer and Champions of Women's Soccer for elementary and middle school kids are available on all online retail sites and local bookstores. Our producer today was Libby Coleman. We'll be back next week with more A's Plus. Thanks for joining us. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe.